the worst part of doing keto? The meal prep. What you really need is a quick, customizable, and easy keto meal replacement for when your other food options aren't ready. Introducing Keto Chow. It's the fully customizable meal replacement that makes keto easy. Keto Chow takes just seconds to prepare. Add the fat of your choice, a scoop of Keto Chow, water, and shake. Just trust the thousands of five-star reviews on Facebook, Amazon, and Google Shopping. Keto Chow comes in 18 delicious flavors. And in a third-party blind taste test, Keto Chow outperformed all of the competitors in appearance, flavor, texture, and overall impression. Head on over to JimmyLovesKetoChow.com to place your order. And be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout for 10% off your first order. While you're there, be sure to check out the electrolyte supplements, no sweetener, no added flavor, no caffeine, and pure electrolytes. Keto Chow. If you're a fan of fat, then you need to try the F-Bombs. Go to JimmyLovesFBomb.com, enter the coupon code JimmyLovesFBomb, and you'll get 20% off of your first order. So what are these F-Bombs? They are nut butters, and they have incredible combinations of coconut and macadamia nut, macadamia nut butter, and my favorite is salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. They also have several oil blends, including the house blend, the MCT oil, as well as coconut oil. If you want your fat on the go, then you need to check out JimmyLovesFBomb.com. And once again, use the coupon code JimmyLovesFBomb. You'll get 20% off your first order. JimmyLovesFBomb.com. Uh, living la vida loca. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. You're listening to a special presentation of Jimmy Rants on the Livin' La Vida Low Carb Show. Jimmy and Christine are traveling, so we're bringing you some of the best content from Jimmy's daily show, Jimmy Rants. Want to know what the very latest is in nutrition news? Follow Jimmy at JimmyRants.com for all of the archives and links to his social media where you can engage live with the content. Stay tuned now for a special Jimmy Rants on the LLVLC show. Today's Jimmy Rants is going to be a fun one because there are certain leaders in the keto space that I don't think get enough credit. Um, I've been out here a very long time, as you well know. And when I first got into the low carb world 15 years ago, Really, the only people that were out here uh, that are still around today are some of the researchers. Uh, A lot of the low carb advocates back then have long gone. Uh, They stopped doing their work for whatever the reason. And so, but some of the people that are sticking around are the researchers. And so we've got some incredible researchers that have been out there for a little while who've been talking about from a scientific study perspective they've been talking about nutritional ketosis long before keto was a trend and one of those people is a gentleman named gentleman named dr stephen finney 
So if you're brand new to keto and you don't know about the work of Dr. Stephen Finney, uh, if you don't know about Dr. Jeff Bolick, you don't know about Dr. Eric Westman, these are all seminal people in the low carb keto movement that but for their research into this way of eating, Jimmy Moore may have never found this way of eating for himself and you may have never found keto, which is what you're doing now. So what I wanna talk about here today is Steve Finney has written an article uh, at his website, uh, Virta Health. So uh, virtahealth.com, V-I-R-T-A health.com. Virta is doing a lot of great consulting work from a medical perspective with patients. You pay them money and a fee and you get access to doctors and all this kind of stuff. But they're also doing some really great research and I'm gonna have one of the researchers on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show coming up very soon, Dr. James McCarter, talking about some of the results from a two-year diabetes study. So that just gives you the context of where this is from. So Dr. Finney, Dr. Stephen Finney, writes an article, the top five nutritional ketosis mistakes and how to fix them. And so nutritional ketosis is something people have been trying to do. They try to pursue it and there are basic mistakes. And if you've read my book, Keto Clarity, you know I put a whole bunch of the mistakes that people tend to make when they go on a ketogenic diet and then how you overcome them. But Dr. Finney brings it from the perspective of a researcher who's actually seen this in practice in the study participants. So you wanna see what Dr. Finney has to say and take a closer examination of these top ketosis mistakes. And is there anything different that I would add? You'll soon find out. So if you're having trouble getting your ketones to go up, dealing with side effects, figuring out the protein, or finding the right fats, then here is where we're gonna help you. Problems we'll help you avoid are the low blood ketones, stomach upset and fat intolerance, the keto flu, getting misled by macros rather than individual intake goals, and the metabolic roller coaster with some versions of fasting. So that's what we're gonna talk about here. And of course, they do a whole intro of what ketosis is. If you watch Jimmy Rants, you better know what ketosis is or I've not done my job. So, so what are these top five mistakes? Mistake number one, too much protein and not enough fat. So Dr. Finney writes in this article, a well-formulated ketogenic diet is moderate, not high, in protein. So there's a big debate in the keto world right now of, well, what constitutes a ketogenic diet? Is it one that's higher in protein and more moderate in fat, or is it one that's high in fat and more moderate in protein? Well, we have one of the top guys himself saying right here, this is a huge mistake that people make when they go keto because they don't put the emphasis on the fat. So a well-formulated ketogenic diet is moderate, not high, in protein. Dr. Finney says protein has a moderate insulin-stimulating effect, among other things. And although uh, it's less the impact from a similar amount of carbs, it can interfere with your ability to produce ketones by the liver when you consume 
in excess. So all these people that say, no, protein's your goal and fat's a lever and, uh, you know, all of this stuff, they're misleading you. It's unfortunate because that's not ketosis. That's not nutritional ketosis. Can you be in ketosis eating higher protein? Yes, but I think you have to mitigate some of the glucose effects and that insulin effects by working off the extra protein. But that's how you do it. It's not inherently a higher protein diet. It's inherently a moderate protein diet. Most healthy individuals require between 1.5 and 1.75 grams of protein per kilo of reference body weight. So let me translate that in case you don't know all those terms. So he's saying about one and a half to one and three quarter grams of protein per kilogram. See, a lot of times you hear these uh, equations and they talk about per pound uh, of current weight. And this is reference body weight, meaning your ideal body weight. So 1.5 to 1.75 grams of protein per kilogram of ideal body weight. So for a 200 pound person as their ideal body weight, 200 pounds, you're going to eat 1.5 grams of protein per kilo. So 200 pounds is about 80 kilos. Okay. So 80 kilos times 1.5 is 120 grams of protein. That's moderate protein. That's how you calculate. So people try to make this hard. And they also try to mock that protein doesn't have an effect when clearly it does. I do think having done this keto carnivore experiment that I've done for most of the year, I do think that when you cut out the carbs entirely, it gives you a little more wiggle room to have even more protein than you would have, but for the carbs. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's still very moderate in protein. Intake above 2.0 grams per kilo reference weight shows no benefit. So don't go that high. All right. It is common for people consuming a ketogenic diet to think they are consuming protein in moderation when they're actually well above this in reality. So here's how you can figure it out. Again, if you're just joining us, Dr. Steve Finney has written these top five ketosis mistakes and how to avoid them. And so we're taking a closer examination of his top five mistakes and looking at his great wisdom. He's been a researcher out there in the keto space for about four decades now. And he's been out there articulating a lot of these concepts that we now take for granted. And so uh, we're on the first one. And the first mistake is eating too much protein, not uh, eating moderate amounts of protein. When hunger strikes, it's just easy to grab a protein source for a fix. Nuts and cheese are the most satisfying low-carb snacks, especially if your dietary fat is inadequate. Calories from fat should make up the majority of your dietary in intake in order to feel adequately satisfied. While dietary fat is typically associated with protein-rich foods like nuts, cheeses, eggs, and meats, Ultimately, even the fattiest proteins will fail to provide satiety while staying within your recommended personal protein goal. That's pretty cool, right? So adding fats like olive oil, butter, cream, coconut oil to meals without being accompanied by extra protein is critical to achieving both satiety and nutritional ketosis. 
If you remain uh, fearful of adding in this dietary fat, now is the time to reevaluate those fears. Such wisdom. Now, I skipped over a word in that sentence because one of the fats that he says add to your meals is canola oil. Canola oil is a huge no. And why Dr. Finney put this in here with all that we know about the nastiness that is canola oil, just go look up on YouTube how canola oil is made and you'll see it's one of the most disgusting. They have to use bleachers and deodorizers to make it humanly edible. So that was on the list with olive oil, buttercream, coconut. He added canola oil. That's a huge no. It's the first thing I disagree with Dr. Finney about. Everything else he says is spot on. All right, let's go to mistake number two. Choosing the wrong kinds of fat. Speaking of canola oil, <laughs> when it comes to consuming dietary fat, it's not only about quantity, but the quality. Fat is essential. We have essential fatty acids. And two of its primary functions in the body include as a fuel source, particularly when you're keto adapted. So when people cut the carbs, they make a huge mistake by not increasing commensurately the dietary fat. Because when you are a fat burning machine, what do you need to consume in your diet to make you a fat burning machine? Dietary fat. Now, there is this um, argument, well, you have fat on the body, that's where you'll burn fat, but it doesn't work that way. You almost have to stoke the fat burning on the body by consuming fat in the diet. The second function of fat is to build and maintain vital membranes for every cell in the body. So on a ketogenic diet, monounsaturated and saturated fats should provide the majority of your dietary fat intake to supply the body with all the energy it needs as the body prefers to use these types of fat primarily for fuel. So there's no trans fats and there's minimal polyunsaturated fats. Uh, it's monounsaturated and saturated that provide the fuel when you're keto. Monounsaturated and saturated fat sources are both readily available and they taste delicious. Monounsaturated fats include... Uh, oils such as olive, avocado, and again, he mentions canola oil. Don't eat canola oil. That stuff's gross. Uh, gross for you, highly inflammatory for you. No. Uh, as well as some animal fats like lard have a good amount of monounsaturated fats. Saturated fats are naturally concentrated in most animal fats like dairy fat, uh, beef fat, lamb fat, as well as the tropical oils, including coconut and palm oil. Dietary saturated fat also is readily burned off to be used for fuel. In other words, it won't accumulate in your blood when someone is keto adapted. So one of the fears people have is, well, if I eat dietary saturated fat, then it's going to go into my blood and it's going to thicken up and clog my arteries and give me a heart attack. That's what people have always believed. But what Dr. Finney is articulating here is it doesn't accumulate in the blood. It's actually burned for fuel. So when you make ketones, it's the saturated fats that are quickly turning over into those ketones that are used for fuel in the body. That's pretty cool, right? Makes you want to go eat some butter and coconut oil, right? 
Polyunsaturated fats, on the other hand, are only required in smaller quantities. They're not really well tolerated in larger amounts. Therefore, highly concentrated sources such as most vegetable oils should be limited and avoided whenever possible. I would argue eliminate all vegetable oils in your diet. In my book, Cholesterol Clarity, uh, we put a chapter in there called The Twin Villains in Your Health, Carbs and Vegetable Oils. Because the vegetable oils that are in clear plastic bottles in your supermarket shelves, those guys are already rancid. They're just waiting for you to cook with them. In fact, we were just uh, with family and there was one night uh, I was asked to cook pasta. Yes, the keto guy had to cook pasta. And they wanted me to put vegetable oil in the water. And I was like, no. Well, how are you going to keep it from sticking together? I put butter in the water. And they said it was like the best pasta they ever had. But I wasn't going to do that to them. The carbs were bad enough, but vegetable oil, no bueno. Not going to do that. Common sources of polyunsaturated fat include, and I don't agree with this, soybean oil, Soy is so estrogenic. No, thank you. I think I'll pass. No, thank you. Uh, corn oil. Bleh. Sunflower oil is probably okay. Safflower oil, okay. Cottonseed oil, eh-eh. And peanut oil. See, most of those oils, soybean oil, cottonseed oil, peanut oil, when you buy packaged roasted nuts, those are the very oils that they roast these in. And it's incredibly damaging fats, incredibly inflammatory, which I'm surprised Dr. Finney would put this in this article. And again, if you're just joining us, we're taking a closer examination of Dr. Stephen Finney's top five ketosis mistakes. And we've already talked about eating too much protein in number one. Uh, and so this, this second one that we're going over is choosing the wrong kinds of fats. Well, the problem is the fats he's telling you to eat are also suspect. And he should know better. He does know better. I don't know why he would include having soybean, corn, sunflower, safflower, cottonseed, and peanut oils as acceptable on keto. The only ones that I would possibly eat of the polyunsaturateds on this list are sunflower and safflower. All the rest of them, you don't need them. Highly inflammatory. Please note, however, high monounsaturated versions called high oleic of safflower, sunflower, and even soybean oils are coming to the market, and this will avoid, uh, will make avoiding excess omega-6 fats both easier and more economical. So I can appreciate that he wants to make things easier for people, but I think you neglect the negativity that comes from these bad oils, especially since this mistake is choosing the wrong kinds of fats. By telling people to eat those, he's leading them down the path of choosing the wrong kinds of fats. I I'm disappointed, honestly. That being said, two subclasses of polyunsaturated fats, include omega-6 and omega-3, are essential to consume in small amounts for the purposes of membrane health, as our bodies cannot naturally make them. To consume the recommended amount of omega-3 fatty acids, you can eat three servings of cold water ocean fish a week, even canned tuna is okay, or take at least one gram of fish oil daily or flaxseed oil if you are a vegetarian or vegan. In contrast, the absolute requirement for omega-6 
is minor compared to what the average American eats. So even on a low fat diet, it would be quite hard not to get enough. Consuming excess omega-6, however, leads to stomach and intestinal upset and possibly increased inflammation. Well, yeah, if you consume the wrong kind of omega-6 fats, like the ones that he's recommended over there uh, in that what I said a while ago, um, then yes, it will lead to inflammation in the body. Finally, avoid artificial trans fats altogether, like commercial shortenings and margarines, as they are likely linked to coronary artery disease. Does anybody still eat, I can't believe it's not butter? Um, in fact, I took a photo earlier today when I was in the grocery store. They had butter and they had this big section of all of this stuff. See all that, guys? I can't believe it's not butter, blue bonnet, all this nonsense, country crock, smart balance. Yeah, you're not very smart if you're eating any of that stuff. So avoid it, right? All right, so let's get to, and he has a really nice chart, by the way, of all of the fats along with the percentage of all the different kinds of fat. So the, the name of the fat and then the percentage of fat that's in each of them. So coconut oil is the highest amount of saturated fat, 92%, 6% mono, 2% poly. Uh, butter is 68% saturated fat. See, a lot of people see butter and they think it's almost all saturated fat, but it's clearly not. Um, 68%, 28% of butter is monounsaturated and 4% poly. Beef fat. So people look at a big old fatty steak. Think of the fattiest ribeye you've ever seen in your life. Still only has 50%. Uh, talking about the, the, the fat that's on the beef. 50% saturated fat, 46% monounsaturated fat, and 4% poly. Uh, olive oil is 77% mono and 14% saturated, 9% poly. Lard is another one people think is very unhealthy for them. 47% monounsaturated fat, 41% Saturated. So this is the bacon and the sausage they think is clogging your arteries. All that saturated fat. Well, guess what? Bacon and sausage and lard is mostly monounsaturated fat. Avocado oil, 71% mono, 14% saturated, 15% poly, and on and on and on. Pretty neat, huh? Mistake number three, not enough salt. This is something, you guys, I'm so glad Dr. Finney points out because when people go keto, they get the foods changed, but they forget about the salt because when you go keto, your need for salt goes way up. This is why it's great to have pink Himalayan sea salt out there and one of the newer salts that has come on strong over the past year is this Redmond's Real Salt, uh, mined out of Utah, and they pull out this salt, and it's incredibly delicious and chock full of minerals. Well, you got to get it in your body, and especially those of you that do fasting. Uh, I just did a podcast today with Keto Coach Lauren all about fasting. Uh, we recorded it on the Low Carb Cruise, and she aired it today on her podcast, KCL's Keto Corner, 
and salt, salt, and salt some more. So critical. So Dr. Finney mentions not enough salt is a big mistake on nutritional ketosis. After decades of the media uh, propagating low-sodium diets, do you find yourself actively avoiding salt? A lot of us do. The default is we avoid saturated fat and we avoid salt. That's the unfortunate consequences of the dieting world we've been in. You may be susceptible to the common pitfall of not consuming enough of this critical mineral, putting you at risk for some pesky side effects. Current U.S. dietary guidelines recommend 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day. However, recent research highlights that consuming this amount of sodium or less actually will increase your risk of death in a generally healthy adult population. Crazy, right? Salt your food. For optimal health, Dr. Finney notes, most of us need about four to 5,000 milligrams of sodium a day, and that's for people that consume a standard diet containing appreciable amounts of carbohydrate in them. But for those of you that do nutritional ketosis, consuming adequate sodium becomes all the more critical as the rate of sodium excretion by the kidneys into the urine increases quite a bit when you get into a state of ketosis. So for a keto dieter, you need to be eating about 5,000 milligrams, which is equivalent to five grams of sodium, which equals 12 grams of salt per day. I'm going to let you pick your mouth up off the ground real quick because that's a huge amount of salt. Guys, when you get salt in your body, it is the magic elixir that helps you keto well, helps you fast well. I just think it's neglected. Because of the phobia that we have about salt. Same as saturated fat. Between saturated fat and salt, that is most of the dietary fear of most people. And those are two critical elements that are essential in the human diet. You think they did that on purpose? Let's scare them of two things that if they don't get adequate amounts of them, they're going to have health problems. I don't know that they did it on purpose. It certainly had unintended consequences of people being so scared of them that today we have chronic disease out of control. It's, it's horrible. Starting in just the first few days of adapting to nutritional ketosis, neglecting to consume five grams of sodium can make your circulatory system go into disarray. And this is what triggers the so-called keto flu symptoms. Headaches, dizziness, lightheadedness, fatigue, and constipation. So if you've ever had any of those symptoms, when you go keto, salt, 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 salt. Done and done. It's not just a temporary need for keto adaptation, as some people believe. I've never said that. I've never said that you only eat salt temporarily uh, in that keto adaptation. I think what a lot of my fellow social media leaders talking about this say is, hey, if you're going to start keto, really load up on the salt. Maybe it comes across as only do it for a period of time. What Dr. Finney is saying is don't just do it at the beginning. Continue to do it. Maybe if you're having struggles in your keto lifestyle where you're not feeling totally optimal, maybe you feel bits of hunger and you've just eaten. 
Maybe you're feeling fatigued. Maybe you're having some of these symptoms of keto flu pop up long after you've already passed that phase. It could be a salt issue. Electrolyte balance is the great unspoken in the keto world. If you've gone keto and you haven't gotten your electrolytes in order, I highly encourage you put a priority on salt and potassium and magnesium and water. Those things, you guys, are going to make you feel great. Those things will make you satiated because you, you think about you're trying to get all the vitamins and minerals in the foods that you're eating. Well, you're not eating processed foods anymore, so you're not getting a lot of natural salt in food. So you have to salt the foods that you eat, which is why when you get a big old ribeye steak, even if you're carnivore, you get a big old ribeye steak, salt that bad boy up. And don't be afraid to have salt straight up. I'm so pleased to see so many people taking that Redmond's Real Salt during a fast or during keto, just to make sure they're getting ample amount of salt. And I'm seeing a lot of athletes really put this focus on as well, that when you're going to work out, before you work out, salt up. It's the best supplement you could probably do for yourself pre-workout. Fortunately, you can keep all these symptoms at bay and improve your overall well-being and function by simply salting your food moderately, consuming two servings of bone broth or bouillon daily. So I have a little bit of problem with bouillon. So bouillon are those little cubes. Remember when you were growing up, your mama, my mama did anyway, had that big bottle of it and it's these little cubes and it was beef bouillon, chicken bouillon that tasted really good. It tasted like chicken noodle soup uh, when you did the chicken bouillon. My only problem with that is there's so many little chemicals and things that they put in that along with the salt, and plus the salt is kind of inferior. If Redmond's Real Salt ever makes a nice bouillon cube, maybe I would consider it, but be careful with the bouillon. But certainly putting salt um, in broth would be really good, bone broth, real bone broth. For most people, this results in about three grams of sodium from regular food, plus two additional grams from broth, which gives you your five total grams a day. Keep in mind, salt and sodium are not the same. One teaspoon of salt is the equivalent of five grams of salt, but contains only 2.3 grams of sodium. The rest of that is sodium chloride. Of course, he's referring to conventional salt from man-made sources, the little Morton salt, the little girl with the umbrella. Don't buy that crap anymore. Get Redmond's Real Salt. Get Pink Himalayan Sea Salt. Those are the better salts anyway. He does say, note, uh, consult a medical professional if you have high blood pressure, fluid retention, but due to congestive heart failure, congestive heart failure or kidney problems to determine what the right amount of sodium is for you. Now, a lot of doctors, you guys, they don't know about this salt need with keto because they don't understand keto. So you go to your doctor and maybe you've had some of these so-called uh, keto flu symptoms and the doctor's like, well, um, I have a pill I could give you. Well, uh, Doc, I heard the, uh, you know, when I've gone keto that I needed to eat more salt. Oh, that's the worst thing you can do. So you're not going to get encouraged by your medical professional or likely your dietitian. These are the very people trying to get you to cut your fat and cut your salt and eat more whole grains. So buyer beware when you go see one of those people to get advice about this. 
Are you struggling to find a clean, keto-friendly coffee creamer that doesn't have a bunch of chemicals or other nasty stuff in it? Then let me tell you about Natural Force Keto Coffee Creamer. It's made with real, all-natural ingredients like organic MCT oil, sourced from 100% organic, non-GMO, and sustainably harvested coconuts. Guys, I've seen a lot of creamers that claim to be keto-friendly, but this one really takes the keto cake. There is no sugar or sweetener in it whatsoever. It's completely dairy-free. It tastes delicious and indulgent, and it mixes instantly into both hot and iced coffee with just a spoon. Keto Coffee Creamer also features a special blend of C8 and C10 MCTs. If you're ready to level up your morning coffee routine, now's the time to do it. Head on over to naturalforce.com jimmy for an exclusive offer available only to listeners of this podcast. Natural Force Keto Coffee Creamer. Mistake number four, stagnant macro ratios. Now, those of you that watch Jimmy Rants know Jimmy Moore is not a fan of counting macronutrient ratios. When I did my nutritional ketosis experiment in 2012-2013, I had uh, a lot of people basically try to mimic the exact macros that I was doing. Of course, I was not necessarily saying everybody needs to do this macro. It was an open experiment so people could see what I was doing. All of that data ended up in my book, Keto Clarity, but people thought, oh, this is how you do nutritional ketosis. You need 85% fat, you need 12% protein, and and it was never intended to be that way. So as I've gone along a little longer in this keto world and being keto now since 2012, over seven years, I have found that the whole notion of counting macronutrient ratios is pretty stupid. So I don't do it anymore. I think if you generally keep your carbs low, you moderate your protein and you eat higher fat, then you can eat intuitively and get the right amount of calories and and all the macros that you need. In fact, in my latest book, Keto Clarity Cookbook, go check it out, you guys, ketoclaritycookbook.com. We don't list the macronutrients or the calories at all for any of the recipes. We don't by design. We purposely want to get people away from the whole diet mentality. We think that is sabotaging so many people on their keto efforts. Well, I'm 10% down on my macronutrient ratio for fat, so let me go eat a big old chunk of butter to get my fat grams up. Who in their right mind is doing that? Doesn't make any sense. So let's see what Dr. Finney has to say about stagnant macro ratios. There are three major macronutrients or macros that supply humans with energy calories from foods, carbohydrate, fat, and protein. On a well-formulated ketogenic diet, your daily energy needs should be satisfied by consuming 5 to 10% carbohydrate, 15 to 20% protein, and 70 to 80% fat. What people frequently overlook is the fact that you, when you initially begin on a ketogenic diet, and you're losing weight, that a significant portion of that 70 to 80% energy from fat will come from your own body fat stores called adipose tissue, so it's not entirely in your diet. Later down the road, as you approach weight maintenance, you're aiming to remain weight stable while keeping energy high and metabolic health optimal. The fat needed to supply your daily energy will have to come from your food. After all, in this scenario, you no longer have the excess fat to lose, 
And so this is a debate within the keto world. Okay, if you have fat on the body, you don't need to eat as much fat in your diet. Okay. So this is a slippery slope. Can I just share my deep concern? I understand where Dr. Finney's coming from, but I think it leads people down the path of, okay, if I have fat on my body, I'm going to eat no fat in my diet because I have plenty of fat on my body. And so people in their heads surmise, all right, let me eat lots of protein and then my body fat will start being mobilized and that will be the fat that will be used to make me keto. Can I tell you how dangerous thinking that is? And I think it does a disservice to the keto community to say that you need to get 70 to 80% of your energy from fat, but then you don't explain you still need to eat fat. Even if you're going to have some of that come off your body, you still need to eat fat in your diet. The problem for Dr. Finney is he can't articulate how much fat that needs to be consumed in the diet. In other words, is it half of that amount is supposed to be consumed in fat and then you assume the other half is coming off? How do you know the metabolic rate that fat is coming off of stored body fat? You don't. All you can do is stoke the flame, so to speak, to get fat burning moving. And the way you do that is you add in dietary fat in the appropriate amounts. Now, again, nobody's saying gorge yourself on fat, but you use fat to satiety. My problem is when I eat a lot of protein and not a lot of fat, I'm not getting that satiety near to the level as when I'm consuming dietary fat. Plus, there are so many functions in the body that require fat to be consumed. Remember, it's essential fatty acids. Fat has to be consumed. You also have fat-soluble vitamins that cannot be absorbed if you're not consuming dietary fat. So I think it's a little wishy-washy to tell people, well, 70 to 80% energy from fat, but you're not entirely getting it from your diet. That doesn't help anybody, Dr. Finney. You got to give better direction than that. You make jobs of people like me a whole lot harder when you say this kind of stuff and you don't give specificity about how you get there. And I think he's probably right that there is, obviously, when you're burning stored body fat and you're losing weight, your body is metabolizing that fat that's coming off the body. But how do you know? How do you know what percentage of that 70 to 80% is coming from uh, stored body fat? If he said, okay, 70 to 80% of energy from fat total with the diet and from your stored body fat, and we're going to estimate that it's about 10 to 15% from your stored body fat, then that at least gives people a goal with the fat. The problem is when you don't give people the goal with the fat, they go lower and lower and lower to the point that all they're eating is protein and you can only just eat so much protein. So you end up extremely hypocaloric, which is not good. You allow Carbs to maybe creep up a little higher than they need to, which is not good. You see where I'm going here? This is incomplete advice, and he's calling it a mistake. But I think he's making a bigger mistake 
telling people that a lot of this energy from fat, the 70 to 80% is coming from store body fat. You got to clarify it, Dr. Finney. And I hope he does. I hope, and he's very good at that, by the way. Whenever he sees that there's a concern, maybe he's going to watch this Jimmy Rance video. When he sees there is a concern, he knows how to refine it a little more and make it understandable. So I'm counting on him to do that. All right. Although your intake of dietary fat will need to increase no matter if it's day one or day 500, you will continue consuming approximately the same amount of protein as well as the non-starchy vegetables. Depending on your personal health goals and particularly how well your initial diabetes or pre-diabetes is held in reversal, some people may be able to increase their carbs a little bit when they're in maintenance. So while it seems counterintuitive for someone wanting to stay slim, you will need to eat more fat as you approach and then achieve weight maintenance. This means you can give yourself permission to increase your consumption of the tasty right types of fats that we talked about before, which will become a cornerstone of your success. So really fascinating. I don't think anybody's ever talked about titrating up on the fat as you are losing weight. So he says, start with a little lower level of dietary fat. And then as you start burning fat off the body, your fat needs in the diet will start to go up. It's an interesting concept. I don't think many people in the keto space are even doing that. I, th I think some people... They're eating a modicum amount of fat for their keto, and then they're not really changing it much. So what I hear Dr. Finney say is let's titrate it up as you're losing weight. But I guess the key there is make sure you're losing weight. It's going to be interesting during my sabbatical when I'm off for six months and my theory about my weight still being on the body is higher stress uh, is keeping the weight on. So when the stress goes away, What's going to happen? We're going to see. And obviously, I eat pretty high fat. I've been doing keto carnivore, so a little higher protein than I have been. But uh, I typically do a higher fat carnivore, uh, which has put me right around 75 to 80% fat. Is that too much? Do I need to back down? I don't know. We're going to find out. We'll see. Mistake number five. This one was the most controversial one. These are mistakes that people make about nutritional ketosis. The need to go on a fast. You may have noticed a recent frenzy of people advocating fasting as a potent tool for rapid weight loss, enhancing ketone levels, and increasing lifespan. But you better think twice before deliberately enduring calorie-free days. Much of this research supporting these benefits has only been done in mice, well done human research on the long-term safety and efficacy of fasting raises many important concerns, particularly if one chooses to fast longer than a day. Fasting for more than two days can lead to lean tissue loss and even a permanent reduction in, re in uh, reduction resting metabolism, among other significant health concerns. All right, let me stop there. As you guys know, I wrote a book called The Complete Guide to Fasting with Dr. Jason Fung. Dr. Fung, uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Finney has no love for Dr. Fung. Let's just put it that, that way. Uh, I remember the very first low-carb bail event uh, that's now called Low Carb Denver. Four or five years ago now, uh, the very first event, Steve Finney was a speaker. Jason Fung was a speaker. 
And Jason gave a talk on fasting and Steve Finney just about went ballistic on him. That it's unnecessary. You're going to waste muscle. And of course, Jason has all his facts in order. He's been using fasting with his clinic in Toronto for many years now, intensive dietary management. And, and so those two have no love lost for each other. Um, I don't think Jason has any problem with Steve Finney, but Steve Finney has a big problem with Dr. Jason Fung. And so this whole idea of fasting in the mind of Steve Finney is, well, it's good for up to 24 hours, but beyond that, you're losing muscle. Well, guys, I've done a lot of tests of longer fasts. And on every one of those tests, I have tested, or many of those tests, uh, fasts, I have tested uh, with a DEXA scan what happens to the mass, uh, muscle mass, lean tissue, as they call it. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go down. It, 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 you're not losing muscle. So I appreciate that he's trying to warn against jumping ahead of the human research. You guys know I rail against that all the time here on Jimmy Rants. But let's not pretend like you're not getting great benefits with autophagy after three days of fasting, water and salt-only fasting. Let's not pretend like you're not getting longevity benefits. Let's not pretend like your ketone levels don't go higher when you go on three, five, seven-day fast. Um, and rapid weight loss. Nobody is promoting fasting for, quote, rapid weight loss. Do we have a chapter in the Complete Guide to Fasting on weight loss, fasting for weight loss? You bet we do. But we're very prudent about it. You're going to lose about a half a pound of body fat per day when you're doing uh, fasting. And so if you fast for seven days, you're going to lose about three and a half pounds. Now, if you lose more than three and a half pounds, then when you start eating again, it cumulatively should come back to that three and a half pounds. Okay. And obviously, if you, if you eat keto, when you go off the fast, it's going to enhance it even more. So I'm a little bit concerned about this anti-fasting that Dr. Finney has. But he continues, of particular concern to us is when periods of fasting, whether short or long, are performed by people taking medications for diabetes or high blood pressure. Everybody who talks about fasting in a sane way is telling people who have diabetes, is telling people who have high blood pressure that if you go keto or you go on a fast that you need to consult with your doctor. He knows that. Dr. Finney, you know that. Let's stop pretending like we're telling people willy-nilly to, like a type 1 diabetic. I would never tell a type 1 diabetic, oh, yeah, just don't eat for like 9, 10 days. Uh, yeah. That would be silly without telling them how to adjust insulin. That's where a medical professional would come into play. Going in and out of the fasting state while on these medications leads to dangerous swings in blood glucose, as well as your blood pressure, and this is risky when done without close expert medical supervision, which is why we recommend you get close medical supervision. Read the complete guide to fasting, Dr. Finney, and you will see in there we articulated extremely clearly many times, consult your physician if you have a condition. Consult your physician. Consult your physician. We couldn't have said it anymore. In contrast, achieving and maintaining a stable state of nutritional ketosis with real food 
while avoiding major wild swings in your daily calorie intake and medication needs will not be only safer and more sustainable, but more enjoyable to boot. So guys, that is the top five nutritional ketosis mistakes and how to fix them according to Dr. Steve Finney. Um, it's a mixed bag. I have great respect for Dr. Finney because he is the OG when it comes to keto researchers. Dude did his very first ketogenic research um, paper in 1983. I was 12 years old. <laughs> so he deserves mad respect. I just hate that he's become a little bit dogmatic uh, about things like fasting. And he's a little bit the blinders on with things like canola oil. But for the most part, that was pretty good. Pretty good. I want to see what you guys have to say about this article. So welcome in. Welcome in. Thanks for being here today on Jimmy Rance. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, let's see here. Yuck, canola oil says AR Natural Health. Exactly. <laughs> My wife, Christine, is on here. Christine Moore, NTP, rebooting your nutrition. Go say hi to you guys. Uh, hi to her, you guys. The quality of the oil always matters. If it's cold pressed and organic, then that will be better. Yeah, cold pressed is the key and dark bottles. Keto doc, is it true that once you reach goal weight, percentage of fat intake needs to go much higher, like 70% if one maintains very low carb, 25% protein? Yeah, I think that's what Dr. Finney uh, was just saying there towards the end is that, yes, as you lose weight, you titrate up on the fat. I don't think there's many people in the keto space that are doing that. I think a lot of people in the keto space, they're going on keto and they're setting their fat and they're never moving the fat. And what Dr. Finney is saying is that as you lose weight, you need to be bringing the fat calories up. Makes sense. Coconut and olive oils. Yes. No canola oil. Bad, 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 says Keto Talk. Yeah, what's he thinking? I, I, I don't understand why canola oil would even come into the picture. Why, why even go there? There's plenty of other fats. Don't agree with soybean oil, even if it's cold pre pressed and organic. The others are okay in small amounts if they're in dark bottles, cold pressed and organic. You can't cook with these, says Christine. Right. Keto Doc, I'm really surprised Finney would recommend all these oils. Is he running for president in Iowa? <laughs> I'm not touching that one, Keto Doc. Good luck. Shelf life for crap margarines is five years. I'm surprised uh, it's not forever. Uh, I love those people that have set like butter outside on their back porch and margarine, a tub of margarine. The bugs don't touch the margarine, but they eat up the butter. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. Uh, if Steve Finney's talking about cold pressed and organic and dark bottles, he needs to make that distinction so it's clear. Uh, otherwise, I don't agree. Yeah, that's the problem is he's not making that distinction. So when you're in the business of educating the public, you have to be crystal clear about what you mean. If he meant dark bottles and cold pressed and organic, then he should have explicitly said so. Bess says, I eat butter and I can't believe it wasn't the butter 
all along that caused my health issues. Exactly. <laughs> Val says my mother-in-law uses all of those crappy margarines. I avoid eating at her house. Yeah. Um, was I recently where I asked for butter and they brought me margarine and I said, you know, this isn't butter, right? Butter has almost become kind of this colloquialism for anything spread. So if you ask for butter, even if you say real butter, they bring you whatever. Oh, there's the butter. That's not butter. That's spread. That's oil. Nasty oil. Alberto says, real food, no one buys it. I can't believe it's not real food and everyone pay anything for it. Uh, I get dirty looks if I salt my mother-in-law's food. Even my brother-in-law has commented on my salt use. Well, Val, you're going to outlive them all. Salt is one of those things that I think we've been so indoctrinated with how unhealthy it is. Uh, that's what they've told us anyway. Much in the same way the saturated fat has been vilified. So go read, if you're fearing saturated fat, go read The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz. And if you're fearing salt, go read The Salt Fix by Dr. James DiNicolantonio. Those are the two books that are going to help you overcome your fear of saturated fat and of salt. Uh, you have to remember when you're eating real whole foods, you're not getting the salt you uh, used to with the processed foods. That's right. Processed foods have an imbalance of sodium and potassium. Too much sodium, not enough potassium. Look at Christine dropping all the truth bombs. Good job, honey. Sam says, I think that when you go keto, you have to take up all your minerals. Well, you need to take up all your minerals, whether you go keto or not. But when you go keto, there are certain minerals that you need more than others. And one of those minerals is certainly the salt. Strange hungers, a uh, piece of butter that's been salted takes care of that. Yes, Sam, you know, uh, if you get the little, you know, and, and you're like, I'm out really hungry. A little bit of salted butter, boom, gone. Salt and salt and uh, fat really come in handy. Alicia says, in three months, my A1C went down from 6.0 to 5.4. I love keto. Well, looks like it loves you too because it's rewarding you with great health. That's awesome. Christine says, you still need fat in your diet to keep the gallbladder stimulated, so I disagree with him. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not giving any instructions on, okay, you get 70 to 80% of fat in your diet slash your body fat, but how do you know how much your body fat is releasing? You don't, but you sure do know how much you're putting in your mouth. So I wish he'd be very specific about it. Okay, let's guesstimate it's 10 to 15% coming from stored body fat. Okay, I don't know. I'm just making up a number. Let's say it's 10 to 15%. So, of that 70 to 80%, 10 to 15%, that means about 60 to 65% should come from your diet. That's the ratio of 65% is a ratio of a ribeye steak. So if you eat ribeye steak and you have weight to lose, you should be able to start losing weight. So then as you lose weight, then you start adding a little bit of butter to the top of the ribeye steak to the point that when you get down to your goal weight, you got a couple of pats of butter on top of the steak because you're adding in fat as you're losing weight when you're doing keto. That's 
what Dr. Finney was saying. Uh, Finney may be right, especially once you're in weight maintenance. I noticed I needed more fat from when I started this. I keep protein around 25%, says Keto Doc. Yeah, I think he is right. The problem is you got to articulate it in a clear way so that the patients can understand what they're supposed to do. Otherwise, they're left to their own devices. You tell them that it comes from stored body fat and they're going to eat zero fat. That is not the goal. So if zero fat intake in the diet is not the goal, he needs to articulate, give us a goal that people can shoot for. And of course, it's going to vary from person to person. He needs to come up. He's really good at coming up with graphics and equations to help people figure things out. Well, we need a graphic or an equation that helps people figure out, okay, when you weigh X, you need to eat X amount of fat in the diet because you're going to produce and burn off X amount of fat on the body. Now, that's a whole lot of moving parts. He's going to have to come up with an algorithm or something for. But if he does that, he's going to do more to help people in the keto space than just say, well... Uh, 70 to 80% should come from fat. It's going to be coming from the stored body fat. And, okay, good luck. You know what to do with that? I don't. Uh, Bod says the keto doctors do the same with protein uh, recommendations. A ribeye is not all protein. No, it's 65% fat ribeye is. <coughs> keto doc says I use my blood ketones as a guide uh, to how much dietary fat I should consume. Good. Um, they want to uh, explain a complex physiological behavior with a simple math formula. We should have world peace if things were so simple, says Alberto. Indeed. Uh, Lavender says the balance of fasting and feasting has helped so many people. It works on body, but also really works on the mental as well. You really have to work on beliefs and programs. Yes, uh, there's a group of people that are doing a challenge this week. Uh, they're at the end of day two, going into three days of doing this 72-hour uh, fast. Uh, Redmond's Real Salt actually uh, was the one that kind of kicked this off. My friend Keto Coach Lauren's doing it. Her husband Tyler's doing it. Uh, Danny and Mara Vega are doing it. Several people in the keto space are doing this fast. They didn't invite Jimmy. Jimmy would have happily done this fast as well. Uh, so I get to antagonize them with pictures of brisket like uh, like I had for lunch today. Let's see if I can find a picture to show on the screen. There it is. That's my picture of my brisket today. Boom. <laughs> so they all hate me right now. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, uh, fasting works. Fasting has helped so many people. And one of the huge benefits of it is the mental aspect of it and mental clarity. And what happens is you have a huge boost in ketones that flood the brain. And, the, and we know the brain thrives on ketone bodies. And so it's not a surprise to anybody that when you fast, you feel good. Obviously, you get past the hard part. Day two is really hard. But once you're past that and you get the electrolytes imbalance and you're drinking enough water, fasting is incredibly powerful. I'm a huge believer in it. In fact, to the point, you guys, I haven't really shared this with anyone. I've shared it with a few people behind the scenes. But when I'm on my six-month sabbatical starting September 1st, I am thinking, and you don't think I'm crazy, but 
I am thinking of doing alternate week fasting. So I'll fast for five to seven days. And then I'll go off of the fasting and, and eat keto, probably uh, mostly carnivore for seven days. And then fast for five to seven days. And then carnivore with water and salt only for seven days. And let that be the entire set, uh, six months. If I don't lose body fat between the stress reduction, if I don't lose body fat doing that program, there's something pretty bad wrong. Now, Dr. Finney would not approve of this. Oh, you're going to lose muscle. But my, my thinking here is during the five to seven days of fasting, which is very simple for me to do now, I can fast pretty easily now. I've done it so much. Uh, the thinking is that during the fasting uh, five to seven days, I will do a lot of biohacks like red light therapy and infrared sauna um, and uh, ice therapy, ice bath. I want to get one of those coolers to, to be in um, and do that daily during that. But then on the feasting days, lift heavy and do some hit training and that kind of thing, the tire flipping again. So really looking forward to that. Uh, I agree with Dr. Fung on fasting. I learned about it before starting keto. Right. Uh, I have several coworkers and family says I'm going to clog my arteries and have a heart attack. They always comment on my salt and I'm just like, leave me the hell alone says cookie. That's awesome. Uh, I think your next book should be the graphs and charts picture book for keto. Yeah, that would be funny. That would be pretty funny. Bod says, this is a good plan for your break. You'll come back as Jimmy 2.0. That's the, that's the goal. That's the goal. I'm getting so excited for it. All right, guys. So the bottom line, this Jimmy Rance, you're going to see and hear about mistakes people make on nutritional ketosis. Dr. Finney's the OG. Did get a few things wrong. Hopefully uh, we uh, articulated those clearly so that if, if he does see this video, he understands where we're coming from. Living the vida loca, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore the longest running health podcast hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer, motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey. The Living Low Carb Show dot com. Woo! Disc of Light. <laughs>